Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. What if I mess up? So yeah. sometimes it's, I'm not sure I know what to say. I feel ill-equipped to do that. What if I offend the person in front of me? And now I never have that opportunity again. We've kind of been trained in our culture. You never talk about religion and you don't talk about politics because if you do, it can become a polarizing thing. And yet that's not what God's asking us to do. Anyway, he isn't talking about religion. We want to make much of Jesus in our life. And Jesus is much more than religion. And so, again, for me, it's those opportunities to, to weave those stories in. Today's conversation includes the wisdom of pastors with years of experience in how to care for those in their congregation. Pastor Paul talks today with two former senior pastors who are creating new and innovative ways to share your faith tell your story, and learn how to care for each other. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, it's so good to have you on Life Support. What we do on this program is we tell stories. And sometimes the stories we tell are not what you would normally talk about at the dinner table. We talk about suffering. We talk about trauma. We talk about how Jesus enters in in the dark places of life. But we also talk about what it means to be a believer in this time. And that's one of the things we're going to do today. I'm joined by two pastors of a church that is a local church here in the Twin Cities area called Wooddale Church, Brian Schulenberg and Dan Carlson. Guys, thanks a lot for being here. It's really nice to see you. Paul, it's a pleasure to be here. Glad we could, could come today. Yeah, so I know that, uh, you know, Wooddale has a terrific reputation here in the Twin Cities. Um, it's been around a long time. Um, when I was growing up on the other side of town, I, I pretty much knew about maybe two or three churches as a kid. I knew about North Heights Lutheran Church. I knew about Bethlehem Baptist because John Piper had gotten there. And I knew about Wooddale Church. And um, it has a long and distinguished history. You guys are really doing some exciting things there right now. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about sharing your faith, a little bit about how to do that, a little bit about some of the things you're doing to get people engaged in that. So why don't you tell me first, um, Brian, how did you start landing on some of the things that you're working on right now? Yeah, you know, as a church, I think coming out of COVID, like many people, we noticed that we've got a world that is hurting and we weren't getting any better coming out of COVID as a society. And we're divided, we're struggling. We look around at churches around the country right now and we see a decline in church attendance, not an increase in church attendance. And we're convinced that we still have the greatest news in the world. We've got a Savior who loves us, who adores us, and has a plan for our lives. And we think that's worth sharing with the world as many times as we can. But found that a lot of people at Wooddale Church, and I know that's true of churches all over the place, that felt maybe ill-equipped in how to share the story of God. And oftentimes, we believe that that's a story that is best told when we talk about how God has worked in our life, when we talk about how he's worked in the life of the person that is sitting before us, and when we talk about how his story intersects with all of that. And so uh, we've been kind of setting some goals as a church every year. This year, we set a goal to train 1,500 people and how to share their faith story. And in the midst of that, really, how do we use our story to tell God's story? And it's been really, really fun to see what God's doing. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I know, Dan, um, we've, well, we've all been senior pastors here. Mm-hmm. And I might have been, I mean, not past tense could be coming for me any time. You never know in this business. But um, 
Dan, you are also a regional director of a denomination, and um, you traveled around and met a lot of pastors a lot of times. And tell me kind of like, um, did you find that there was this desire by these pastors? They really wanted their churches to be effective. They weren't quite sure how to engage their congregation. I, I, I think that's true in, in many areas, that they're, they're locked into to a, a ministry, locked into a setting, but there's always the power of a story. And when, when they would tell their stories or have opportunity to do, to do that, not only did that change their lives, it changed ministry. And as, as people would, would share their stories, they saw they got to see God at work. Yeah. When I say the word evangelism here at Ridgewood, I know what people are thinking. Um, the old timers are thinking, oh, we're going to meet on a Saturday. We're going to have a donut. We're going to go out and hang some door hangers on, <laughs> come back, finish our coffee. Yeah. And we've done evangelism. Yeah. And some people like that idea. And some people are really yawning at that idea. But that's not what we're talking at all, is it? I mean, this is a whole no. different kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's fascinating. That word evangelism, I think, in church culture carries with it uh, a whole lot of negative baggage. Uh, some positive, right? We've got mm-hmm. some good memories of what God has done in the past. When I ask the people that I'm teaching, what do you think of when you hear the word evangelism? In every class, there are two things that I've heard. Number one, I hear the words Billy Graham, and I love Billy Graham, uh, but there's only one Billy Graham, and there's never going to be another one. And none of us have had the gifts like God packaged into Billy the way that he did that with him. The second word I hear is sales. I feel like evangelism is a little bit like being a used car salesman for Jesus, and Mm -hmm. it makes me uncomfortable, and it makes me feel kind of icky, and I I don't want to be a part of that. And so, no, that isn't what we're talking about. Evangelism is something that God has called every follower of Jesus Christ to be involved with, whether you have the gift of evangelism or not. So we know that when you look at the Bible, you see a list of spiritual gifts. There are very few Christians who have the spiritual gift of evangelism. In most classes, I'll ask people, how how many of you here have the gift of evangelism? And nobody's hand raises at that one. And yet the Great Commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8 and other places in the New Testament doesn't give any one of us an out when it comes to evangelism. So we're teammates in that, and we need all of those spiritual gifts to be involved in that. So for Billy Graham to be successful, he needed people who had the spiritual gift of shepherding or others who had the gift of mercy and some who had the gift of administration to be the people who were inviting people, who were planting the seeds, who were telling the stories, who were showing the love, who were showing compassion to invite others to come. And then he just got that beautiful privilege of getting to harvest a lot of the work that others had done. And so we all get to be part of this. And, um, and I really do believe that there are many who can see that harvest in their own life if they'll just be faithful with the story of God. So how would you yeah. define the gift of evangelism? Well, Dan, I'll take it if, yeah, you, if you'd well, like. You've got one. <laughs> I think it's that supernatural ability that God has given yeah. to somebody to share the hope of the gospel and to see people respond to that. So there's just um, a kind of a supernatural faith. response when this yes. person is at work. Yeah, they're uniquely gifted by mm-hmm. God, yeah. and they get to oftentimes see that harvest. And yet again, the mission of evangelism is something that we all get to be involved right. in. Right. And you're talking about stories, and um, we've talked a lot about people telling their own stories. I find that people don't think they have a story. That's right. worth hearing. 
Right. And they'll, they'll think, well, I don't have that exciting testimony. Yeah, I wasn't system. a hell's angel in a garbage can in downtown L.A. that got rescued. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. Nobody wants to hear about me. That's right. Yeah. And yet God does not waste an experience in anyone's life. And the stories come out of these are experiences that I've had. These, are, the, these things happened to me. This is how I saw God at work. Yeah. And where do you share these stories? Like, how do you develop an area where you can actually have the opportunity. Yeah, and that's where I think it's kind of looking at, uh, God, what is the platform that you've given to me every single day of my life? So as, as we teach this class, one of the things that I tell people is every day I wake up and I pray this prayer. And I heard Rick Warren pray a similar prayer, and so this isn't unique to me. But basically a prayer that says, God, you're going to do some great things in the world today. So would you help me to see people with your eyes would you help me to respond with your heart? Would you help me to be your hands and feet? And if there's some sin in my life that's going to get in the way of you using me today, would you reveal that, God? And would you allow your spirit, which you promise us in Acts 1a, you're going to receive power when my spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of my earth. Would you allow that spirit, that same spirit that dwelled in the Apostle Paul and others to dwell in me and to use me? And if we'll do that, I find it changes my entire day. My entire week looks different because... Now I'm seeing God give me these supernatural opportunities that maybe I didn't recognize as such, and that's going to happen more often than not in the context of a conversation. So it may be a meeting that I have that has nothing to do with mm -hmm. the Lord, but everything is his, and yep, I'm going to look yep. for those those opportunities to weave the gospel into that. We've got lots of stories that we could tell you about how that's happened and what that looks like in day-to-day -day life, but it's it's really for each one of us. We have a unique field that God's called us to. And, you know, as senior pastors, who, guys who've, who've pastored churches, yep. we know that we're never going to have the opportunity to get in front of the people that the people that we pastor have the opportunity to be in front of every single day. And so yep. we need to be obedient as church members to say, hey, God, where's that field that you've uniquely called me to? So whether I'm working at Cargill or a school or the hospital or an accounting firm, yep. that's a unique field that you've given to me. So God, help me to be your ambassador here. Yep. Yeah, and that's interesting that you mentioned that because pastors, you know, a lot of times there's this dynamic going on in churches where the, the congregation will look at the staff and say, you, you know, we're paying you to go do this. Yeah. Or I'm right. writing a check for missions. So yep. I, I've done my thing. And then pastors are sitting in their offices going like, wow, man, I wish I had that opportunities. Because every time I mention I'm a pastor, people just shut down. Right. You know? And so, and that doesn't let us off the hook either. I mean, we need to find our own, um, we need to find our own space. I've, I've found that my uh, sports that my kids are involved with just offer amazing opportunities to be with the same parents over and over and over and over and yeah. over again. And you develop habits. You know, I go to a quick trip in the morning to get coffee, see the same people every time, yep. start to get to know them, you start to have a chance just to encourage them, and one thing leads to another. Paul will return with Brian Schulenberg and Dan Carlson in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson from Five Stone Media, creators of Life Support Resources, free digital resources for the body of Christ so that we can all learn how to come alongside each other. Included in the resources is a new small group study called Caring for Mental Health. For more information on that and other resources, log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. 
amazing opportunities to be with the same parents over and over and over and over, over and again. over again. And you develop habits. You, I go to a quick trip in the morning to get coffee, see the same people every time. Yep. Start to get to know them. You start to have a chance just to encourage them, and one thing leads to another. That's right. But if we could just get it across to the average, quote, unquote, layperson, that your, your work, your school, your, your work at home with your kids, it's, it's all a mission field. That's right. You're right. A rich you're mission right. field. Yeah. And it sounds like that's one of the things that you're trying to get across. Absolutely. And, and just as Brian said, he prays that prayer every morning. Many of us do. Lord, what are the opportunities today? Where I am going, Lord, help me to see with your eyes, to, to hear with your heart, and, and to step into those opportunities, to go looking, search, searching them out, anticipating God answering those prayers so that you're ready to speak in with whatever the circumstance may be. So why are people afraid to share their faith? Yeah, the top reasons that I hear people say that is, what if I say the wrong thing? It feels like such a heavy burden, right? Yeah. Like, this is this is the gospel. There's nothing more important. Heaven what and if, hell are at stake. Yeah. 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 Is <laughs> stake. Oh, my goodness. What if I mess up? So yeah. sometimes it's, I'm not sure I know what to say. I feel ill-equipped to do that. What if I offend the person in front of me? And now I never have that opportunity again. We've kind of been trained in our culture. You never talk about religion and you don't talk about politics because if you do, it can become a polarizing thing. And yet that's not what God's asking us to do anyway. He isn't talking about religion. We want to make much of Jesus in our life. And Jesus is much more than religion. And so, again, for me, it's those opportunities to to weave those stories in. So just let me give you a real practical story from real life. So... Uh, several years ago, I became a real estate agent as well as being a pastor. And it, uh, long story short, I had no idea the doors that real estate would open to me. It got me out of the church office and it put me in front of people who need Jesus constantly. And, you know, we had a, an issue right before closing with a client that the mortgage broker in this particular case had messed up on. And his mess up would impact um, really four different transactions when all was said and done. And he called me on the phone, and he was shaking, and he told me what he had done the day before closing. And I said, you know what? I think you can find a solution for this. Let's just give it some time. We'll close late. And sure enough, the next day, that problem that seemed so big wasn't as big as he thought. We got to closing about eight hours late. And I remember walking into the closing that day, and he looked at me, and he said, are you Brian? And I said, I sure am. And he was just shaking. And I Mm -hmm. said, hey, I want to say something to you. I said, I just want to tell you thank you. And he looked at me, and he said, thank you? And I said, yeah, I want to say thank you because I know you had to move heaven and earth to get these houses closed and it wasn't easy to get done what you got, but our clients are going to be happy and we made it in the end. And he said to me, you're not going to swear at me? And I said, no, I'm not going to swear at you. First of all, I'm a pastor full-time and a realtor part-time. And he says, okay. And I said, have you ever heard that saying, do unto others as you'd have others do unto you? And he said, yeah, I've heard that. And I said, do you know who said it? And he said, no. And I said, well, it was Jesus. And I'm out of my life and my business after him. Now this guy who's an ex-Navy SEAL and a mortgage broker starts getting elephant tears at our closing. Mm, is that right? And he looked at me and he yeah. said, could we, could we get together and talk sometime? And I said, I'd love to get together with you, but I work as a, at a church. And so yeah. we met at the coffee shop at our church the next Monday. He drove from White Bear Lake to Eden Prairie to have a conversation. And over the next hour, he would share with me that a month before, he'd been at Eagle Brook Church. And he'd prayed a prayer to receive Jesus as his Savior. He says, but I wasn't sure if it was real. Mm. until I met you. 
And then he began to unpack and unfold the pain and the story in his life. And I got to tell him where God's story and his story and my story intersected there and began a little bit of a discipling relationship with him. Now, that wasn't his salvation. He became a believer a month earlier, but it was an opportunity to lift God up in business. And it's one of many stories that uh, I've had in that part of my life. And every one of us have those opportunities every day. And it was just a simple way to weave Jesus' story into that conversation. Yeah, but you were ready. Yeah, yeah, I was ready, but part of that was, again, that prayer. And I'm convinced if I hadn't have prayed that prayer that day and I went in with my own strength and power, I don't think I would have ever sworn at him, but I probably would have been angry and responded differently (laughs) than I did that day. And so it's showing up, recognizing Mm -hmm. that, hey, when we come somewhere, not only is the Spirit of God in us, but really we are representing Christ. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Um, And but, but he similarly said, and you're the light of the world, church, and and yeah, that's Jesus yeah. in us. And so it, it's it's that understanding of, oh, my goodness, there is a great responsibility that comes here. And when people see me, they're going to see Jesus. And, and how does he show up today? And, and is it really him that they're seeing, or are they going to see hypocrisy? Right. Are they going to see what they're expecting to see out of the church, Judge, judgment and um, hypocrisy and, and something else? Right. Yeah, or just apathy. You know, um, I think our culture has moved. When I was pastoring in Canada, I, I thought the U.S. is is never going to get this far down the secular road. Mm-hmm. This was seven years ago. Yeah, and now I'm sitting, going, I think the U.S. has caught up, if it hasn't bypassed. Yeah, and what we found there was, when we talked to people about Jesus, there wasn't any hostility. Mm-mm. They didn't know. They, they, people would actually look at us and say, like you had said, who's Jesus? Yeah. Or they would look at us, we say, well, why don't you come to church? What's church? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, this is awesome. Because we didn't have to break down all these cultural barriers. Right. Yeah. And all of these, um, you know, bad kind of experiences that people had had. They maybe had remembered some vague experience when they went to church when they were a kid or something. And we could kind of start over with them. But that's where we're headed in America. Mm-hmm. And true. and um, I think we don't have to be afraid of just being who we are because I think most people would look at you and go, okay, you know, at the very least they would say you have a right to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, but thank you for sharing, right? Yeah. They're not going to punch you. They're not going to hit you, you know, likely, although I've had some people do that. But that, you know, those are other stories. But why are we so afraid? I mean, are we afraid of cultural rebuke too, along with the individual? Do you well, think? I, I think very, very much so. It's, yeah, it's, it's why you know Scripture says, "Do not fear, do not be afraid." Three hundred sixty-five times in in Scripture. Yeah. That's one for every day. And we we think we we process things, or what are they going to say? What what if I don't say the right thing? As yeah. Brian said before. Yeah. Um, so they're afraid of it, and. Why would I do that if I didn't believe that? They're, they're afraid of what, what, what might come back. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Dan, too, I think people forget where mm-hmm. the power comes from and right. who's yeah. doing the work. You yeah. know, I think sometimes we're afraid because it's ultimately Jesus who's going to do that work. It's he in the Great Commission who said, hey, I'm going to be with you always 
to the very end of the age. That's a promise that we yeah. have from God. Yeah. And I think sometimes, if we're honest, we're afraid that God's going to keep his end of the bargain. And uh, and I promise you, I do. I just I believe yeah. this with all of my heart, that when we join him on his mission, we experience God in a very different way. Yeah. We experience his presence. We experience his peace. We experience his power. And if you are somebody who's listening today and you say, I haven't felt the power of God for a while in my life, and God's felt a little bit absent in my prayers, I feel like they aren't going above the ceiling. Sometimes it's because we've gotten distracted and mm-hmm. we think that the solution to the world is political or the solution is if I just fix these issues that are broken in the world. It, Jesus is ultimately the solution to all of that. And it's that opportunity to partner with him and to see him do the work. And he really will take over. And in those moments, he promises us when we're weak, he's strong. He's going to take care of us. I think distraction is uh, one of Satan's best weapons. Right. And uh, not to open a huge can of worms. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to anyway. Um, it seems to me that, that that believers are immensely distracted right now by politics and by cultural mm-hmm. change. Now, I understand this because culture is shifting at a, a rate that w- all our heads are spinning. Yeah. Um, but, you know, our job, as I see it biblically— Yep. And again, I can I can I can see the people writing letters right now. Our job is not to transform culture. No, um, Rome was far worse than what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. There was never a command to go change Rome. No, it was to bring my name to these people, to save these people, and that that hasn't changed over all these years. Right. Yeah, I heard Ed Stetzer say something uh, earlier this year at an outreach conference that I thought was really, really profound. And he said what the world desperately needs today is a distracted church, but a church that's distracted by the right thing. Yeah, that's and good. We need to be yeah. distracted by the gospel. That needs to be our yeah. constant distraction that's pushing us and propelling us forward. Yeah. What we do at Ridgewood is we have um, lanterns that we put on. Every time someone comes to know Christ through a local ministry of Ridgewood Church, mm-hmm. we put a lantern up there. Mm-hmm. And so um, when people walk in, they're confronted immediately with what's important. Mm-hmm. And any time that I'm, I'm preaching and this comes up, I can just point at a lantern and go, this is why we're here. Yeah. Um, because politics is such a powerful thing right now. And it's almost as if we've chosen sides as believers, too. Right. And, you know, I tell some people in our church, you know, we have Democrats and Republicans that go here. Mm-hmm. <gasps> what? <laughs> you know, what kind of church is this? Um, but we've got to find a way to keep people focused on what is the important thing for their good. That's right. Because they get to have the blessing of working alongside of God. And politics, frankly, is an empty road. It's important, but it's empty at the end of the day. So I, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I really do. Yeah, you know, those, those areas right now that are empty. Uh, another way of looking at that is they're broken. And yeah. where does that brokenness come from? Well, all of these systems in our world, whether it's politics or the environment or the economic systems of our world are broken because of sin. And because of sin, we need a savior. And yeah. that needs to distract us to no end. And so we, again, we've got that solution. Yeah. And I want to talk to you guys. We're going to have you back. And I, I want to talk a little bit about how understanding proper theology and who God really is and um, what heaven and hell really are can help fuel and motivate us uh, to be these kinds of believers. But first of all, how does someone get in touch with what you're doing at Wooddale? Because you're doing some amazing things. You're training people there. You've got all kinds of really neat things going on. How can someone uh, look up Wooddale and get in touch? Well, the website, wooddale.org, will get you there. 
but then also there's the Family Resource Initiative. Yeah, which you can also find at familyresource.info, I-N-F-O. And that's pretty exciting in itself. It is, it is. We're thrilled. you got a lot of things going on. you got about one minute to tell me what that is. Well, Fire family, away, go. That's right. Family Resource Initiative exists <laughs> to uh, empower vulnerable communities, to really equip a spiritually resilient generation, to expedite access to individuals who just have need to for resources and, and mental health uh, resources. And it's just been a beautiful, beautiful uh, program that has emerged coming out of COVID to really be a gift to our community to introduce people to Jesus ultimately. Well, I'm thankful for Wooddale Church. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I Pleasure. appreciate it. You know, we've been talking a lot about um, trusting God as we share our faith and that Jesus is with us. And in Second Timothy 2.13, the Bible says that if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so we may be having a terrible day. We may be totally distracted by things. We may not be feeling well. We may not have any desire to go share the gospel. But that doesn't mean that Jesus has abandoned you or doesn't understand that. He knows who you are and what you're dealing with. And so when it comes time, he will be there with you. And uh, I just want to encourage you that you have been called into um, into this mission by God, and there, there is so much in it for you, too. You get to work alongside of God. You get to experience the blessing. You get to be a part of building God's kingdom and saving people from an eternity in hell and ushering them into an eternity in heaven. And that's exciting stuff, and you can be a part of that. So I just want to encourage you to pray and to ask God, how can you use me, Lord, to further your kingdom? I'm really thankful for our partners that help us uh, bring this life support program to you. MyFaithRadio.com ushers you into Faith Radio, and that's a wonderful partner for us. Five Stone Media is where you can find a video version of this podcast, FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at MyRWC.org. And thank you so much for listening to Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church of Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.